and welcome to Hoops Hour, hosted by Hoops Hour. This is a basketball podcast show, everything in between and everything you want it to be. This is episode 9. It is currently Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. I hope you all are doing well. I am doing all right myself. Um, if, If you were listening to this on Spotify or... You just open up the YouTube app and throw this on but aren't looking and have not noticed. There is no um, video for this episode. Um, I'm kind of feeling a little under the weather. I feel a bit of a sore throat, so sorry if I'm a bit, like, uh, strained throughout this episode. But I wanted to record it, and I kind of just want to, like, I kind of just want to go, like, lay down after this. Um, so I decided not to do this with video because it would be exponentially faster to, um, to edit and get this, uh, thrown up and put together live on, on the web. Um, so yeah, we're just doing that for this episode. Bear with me. Um, but also this is the first attempt at a Tuesday episode or at least a multiple episodes in a week. I might be like shooting myself in the foot, um, even like saying that preemptively and maybe I should have just waited until like Friday or whatever but the goal will be to also have uh, another episode by the end of the week and if that doesn't happen whoopsies but you know we'll we'll get there eventually that's the most important part anyways with that a uh, little preamble out of the way uh, I hope this is still an enjoyable episode um at least as a listening experience and um yeah all-star weekend has just passed so I got a big kind of all-star weekend recap powwow you know tons of tons of thoughts i have um and i want to go through a bunch of that stuff and considering that this is like the first attempt at a a second episode injected into the week and also there isn't much uh or there isn't any uh visual element to this um not a bad episode to just kind of uh focus solely on this one thing that is um is not going to be talked about again for the rest of the season anyways, that being the All-Star Weekend. So, um, yeah, we're just going to jump into it. Um, actually, that's a complete lie because uh, there's a few things that, you know, as I always like to, um, you know, throw out some news that happens around the league in between uh, episodes. So, got a couple of things. This actually happened, like, last week, and I, I feel kind of ashamed. I had no idea this happened, but uh, Kyle Lowry has been signed by the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't exactly know when he'll be making his Sixer debut. They um they they play on Thursday when the league comes back. Um so it could be that. But shout out to Kyle Lowry. Um I didn't really expect him to actually play on the Hornets, so um figured he'd be bought out and picked up by an actual like competitive team. Um and you know, uh sure, why not? I don't really know what um Philly's guard play is really like outside of um Maxi and who else did I got? I'm having a real brain fart right now. I've got like the the pre sickness like fog. Although they signed Buddy Hield, I I don't know why, but the Buddy Hield sign from the trade deadline is actually quite a significant move, and yet it just continually is a blind spot in my brain. So I don't know. But anyway, so they've got some actual kind of decent guard depth now. Uh, Tyrese Maxi, um, Buddy Hield. And Kyle Lowry. Uh, they also have Campaign, who they picked up from the Bucks, and um, DeAnthony Melton, who's currently out. But yeah, not a not a bad uh, lineup. Obviously, uh, I don't think really like 
I don't know. We'll just we'll we'll see what um what they're like by the end of the season before I start trying to um predict what playoff rotations might look like for them. Anyways, so Kyle Lowry is a Philadelphia 76er. Um putting that out there. Um next little tidbit of uh news. Um Mike Conley has agreed to a two year, twenty one million dollar extension with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um this is going to keep him out of summer free agency um, in a few months here and have him locked down in the Minnesota Timberwolves backcourt through 2025-2026 season. Um, this is great. I've talked about uh, Mike Conley being really like a the unsung hero, um, sneaky thing that's like really uh, keeping that team or making that team like as good as they've been, obviously the number one seed in the West and have been for a lot of the season. Um, yeah, this is great. They, uh, this team really, um, really thrives when they have a, a great point guard like Mike Conley. So shout out to him. Um, big news out of the borough of Brooklyn. Uh, the Nets have dismissed head coach Jock Vaughn. Um, and additionally, uh, they've promoted assistant Kevin Ollie to interim head coach and he's, he'll be running his first practice today, Tuesday, and, um, we'll have his first, uh, coaching start on, on Thursday when the league comes back versus the Raptors. Um, so see how that goes. Um, I don't know. I've got a lot of thoughts and things to talk about with the Nets and I've got a big segment kind of planned for maybe next episode or the one after that, um, Soon it will be coming, so I can get into it a little bit more then, but I don't know. Uh, the, the consensus doesn't seem to be that Jock Vons was a very, uh, very great coach. I don't know. I saw his, um, he had a, like, parting words, like, post that he had, and it was um, very respectful and humble, um, and it seemed that people were, were giving him love on his way out, so, um, you know, maybe just didn't work. Coaching is one of those weird things. I always talk about it, like there's such a um a level of like chemistry and it just kind of has to work with like right coach for the right group of guys kind of thing um i don't know what their what their plan necessarily is for that the nets currently sitting towards the bottom of the eastern conference at the 11th seed um handful of games back from being 10th and in the plane possibility so they're out they're they're not going to the playoffs i don't think i don't think they'll be jumping over the hawks or bulls at any time soon so um, yeah, they're, they're gearing up for, for something, I imagine, for a new path going into the future, and we will talk about that shortly, but yeah. And, um, without any, uh, more delay, we're just gonna get into this, um, big recap of All-Star Weekend. How I'm gonna do this is, I'm gonna, like, go through, um, each night of the weekend in a kind of more fact-of-the-matter, uh, recap way and then I'm going to circle back and just sort of talk about all-star weekend as a whole not like this one specifically necessarily even though I do have some takeaways from like just this specific weekend but also just kind of like what kind of place the all-star weekend and th- its events will have in the NBA going forward because we might be reaching like a, a breaking point in terms of the way it's been it's been going historically but yeah so we'll start off on Friday night we had the uh, Rising Star game, the Skills Challenge, and the Celebrity game. Uh, the Rising Star game was okay. You know, it's not really something I pay that much attention to. Um, team Jalen, Jalen, as in Jalen Rose, won against Team Detlef, which was a team of G League dudes. Um, and also, shout out to them for beating Team Pow, which had NBA guys on it. Um, it's it's kind of like a interesting tournament style where it's like mini teams, um, and they play like one quarter in like a... I mean, it's just two, it's like a, it's 
it's really just one team faces the other, and then the winner of that faces the winner of the other um, of the other match. So it's I guess like three quarters of basketball total. I don't know. It's kind of weird, but um, it at least feels like one of the events where guys are actually like trying a bit more. They're younger, they're more unproven. Um, so at least there's like a, a quality of competitiveness to it. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Um, I have no problem with the Rising Star game. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know if is, and people who like really like the Rising Star or at least have like more significant, intense, passionate opinions on the Rising Star game could definitely, I'd love, I would like to hear their perspective on it. But do you guys like the format of it more than just like a straight up game? Um, I mean, I guess it kind of gets like more dudes involved because there's four teams, even if they're playing less amounts of time. Uh, so yeah, I don't know, kind of a, not one that I am thinking about too dearly. If they change its format, I probably won't lose much sleep over it. Uh, the skills challenge. I actually, I kind of like this event. I feel like I've, I've taken a turn. I did not care for it before, particularly if it's just, I don't know. It just, it feels like the most like makeshift thrown together one. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's kind of fun. Um, it definitely feels like the one where guys are trying the least hard. Shout out to Anthony Edwards for doing the entire thing with his left hand because he just does not care. Um, and then it was also really funny because Wemby was his teammate. There was um, It was the Indiana Pacers as a team, first round picks as a team going back from Ant, um, from Ant Wemby and holy God, who's picked? Oh my God. Dude, what is going on with my brain right now? Who was the number one overall pick in 2022? Paolo, Jesus. Oh, my God. Why did I forget that? I like Paolo. Dude, this is what I mean. My brain is just not working today. Um, but uh, hometown team, Indiana, ended up winning. So I guess that's, like, kind of fun. And uh, they won off of a Tyrese Halliburton half-court shot in the, like, tiebreaker overtime round. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it's kind of fun. It's, like, a little carnival-esque, uh, uh, you know, obstacle course, like, first round where you have to, you know, it's a combination of, like, hitting away, getting the, the passing through the hole and dribbling in and out of cones. It's, like, I don't know, it's very... Um, it's very like field day esque if you were um, if you went to school in America, um, and then there's like a passing round and then the shooting round. Yeah, it's just I don't know. It's it's one where guys kind of feel like it's like taking the piss, but it can be good entertainment. Um, and then there was a celebrity game, which I don't know was like whatever. Uh, shout out to Team Shannon Sharp who beat Team Stephen A, and uh, also to the Dallas Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons who dropped 36 points and 17 rebounds and was named the Celebrity Game MVP. Also, shout out to him for sending Stephen A to the hospital. <laughs> uh, this could be hyperbolic, of course, but apparently he uh, they were they were getting into it in like a joking manner, and uh, Micah Micah crossed Stephen up and. And sent him to go get some X-rays. I don't really know what um, what the update on that was, but I mean, he was he was back by like later in the evening, I believe. But that was really funny. I mean, hey, listen, he's he's a little old, man. Micah, you gotta be you gotta be gentle, all right? But also, dropping thirty six and seventeen is so funny. Um, so I don't know what my opinions really are on the celeb game. I I kind of feel like it's fallen off a bit. Um, it's really cool that guys like Kai Sinat and Tristan Jass can make it to the NBA All-Star Celebrity Game um, and just show that, like, you know, smaller, like, creators, especially, like, in 
the field of online content um, can make it to that sort of level, that's cool. Um, but it feels like there used to be more like universal celebrities, like real star power um, that would show up for those games. And now it just feels like prominent people from certain fields of sports and entertainment and not really like a headliner to make people who wouldn't have been interested in the game anyways want to watch like a classic example is Kevin Hart um I'm not really a Kevin Hart fan but hell yeah I'll watch him play some basketball and you know get his shit blocked like sure that's like that's fun there's a broad appeal to that outside of a pre-existing basketball fan base um and I think it definitely has to do with social media kind of eliminating the whole like star or celebrity concept to a degree. I'm not really going to go on that like whole tangent, but it's sort of just like a unintended side effect of that. I suppose um, that there just aren't these huge um, across like multiple sectors of, um, of things, celebrities. Um, but you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it's kind of a hand. It, it's, it's a trade off, I guess, because to the people who are like really big like Kai fans I guess like it's cooler to see him in the game than it would be any like quote unquote traditional celebrity but then the trade off is like again that sort of broad appeal you know you can't you can tell your friend who is not online like oh you know Kevin Hart's going to be in the celebrity game and they can be like oh that's kind of funny like short comedian in you know playing basketball sure why not but if someone is not online you're like Kai Sinat's in the um, in the all-star celebrity game they're like who the the streamer um so yeah a bit of a trade-off there but you know whatever for the people who like the celebrity game it's it's there <laughs> um anyways that was friday night um so first night of the weekend down and we're gonna head on to saturday night which was probably the um best biggest night in terms of like positive like engagement i think uh saturday night was the was the home run of the whole weekend for the nba you had damian lillard winning the three-point contest again going back to back um i'm not gonna lie i did not watch the majority of this event uh jalen brunson was like one or two short of making it onto the next round so i was kind of sad about that <laughs> but also i don't know three-point contest has never been something that i am particularly like that enamored by uh which I think I'm more so in the minority of that, um, especially as the dunk contest, which we'll get into in a in a second here. But as that's kind of fallen off in the past, you know, handful of years, the three point contest has sort of taken its place as the actual like premier event of Saturday night. Um, and I don't really have any hate on that. Like, whatever. I'm cool with it. And I like both of them. So, you know, that's that's cool. But yeah, as I said, Dame one went back to back first back to back winner since 2008, I believe. Um, and also what was like kind of a funny moment was he only made the last shot on his final rack, which made it a lot more dramatic because uh, he only like needed one more and missed the first four. It's very a very typical kind of like Dame time clutch moment like, hey, on the night. Yeah, he might be like four from 16 from three. But those four were all, like, earth-shattering clutch shots. So, um, a very Damian Lillard-esque performance. And, uh, you know, shout-out to him. Um, in the same vein, we had the highly anticipated Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu um, 1v1 shootout contest, three-point contest. Um, I didn't realize that this thing was only one round. I wish it could have been a longer event. But, regardless... 
um, and also especially because it was only one round, the two of them put on a great performance for, again, not really have. I mean, I'm sure they were warming up and whatnot, but you only had 30 seconds to perform for the whole, all that lead up for 30 seconds of performance, and they both really showed out. Steph Curry ended up uh, winning, edging out Sabrina's uh, 26 points with 29 of his own, so he won it by, like, to, you know, if he had missed two more on this final rack, she would have won it. So it was a very close um, and also a little fun, like, additive thing is that Sabrina's 26 would have been, you know, the best in the three-point contest. Dame won in the final round with 26. So, she, you know, in the same breath as competing against Steph, she also matched the three-point contest winner that same night. So incredible performance by her. Um and it was a really cool event, and I really hope they um, do more stuff like that. I'm gonna, I have more thoughts about it that we'll get into when we kind of wrap around, but just on the technical level, um, yeah, good, good event, and uh, I think that was an absolute home run idea by the NBA. Then the dunk contest, which is, I've always been a dunk contest fan, so I'm, I'm always excited for it, and um, I tend to have a more positive outlook on the dunk contest than most people, and. I think that might even shockingly still be true about this past one, but I do think it was kind of eh. Um, so we had Hame Hawkes Jr., Jacob Toppin, uh, Jalen Brown, and Mac McClung. Uh, Hame Hawkes Jr. had a pretty nice first dunk over Shaq. It was, it was pretty clean, and his second dunk would have been really nice if he had hit it first try. I, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the win gets kind of um, knocked out of it if you don't hit it on that first try. But I thought it was pretty clean. Um, and, you know, I, okay. I, not to get on my hater shit, but also, like, I'm going to kind of get into my hater bag here. Uh, Jalen Brown should not have gone through to the final round. Um, again, not trying to hate. And also, like, side note, like, I really appreciate an all-star doing the event for the first time in a good while. But that shit was weak, dog. Like, his attempts were far and away the weakest dunks um he jumped over kaisenat sitting down um everyone's been memeing him for that um and getting on his ass because kaisenat's like i mean you can be hyperbolic and be like kaisenat's like four foot he's three foot he's literally an inchworm he is literally six feet uh, or six inches off of the ground but honestly you can just say it like he's like five three right like five three five four and he was sitting down in a chair so um, I don't really know where the, I mean, you know, it's really that Mark Jackson, what happened to the game I love meme, like, we got dudes jumping over Shaq, we had Aaron Gordon jumping over Taco Fall, and then Jalen Brown's gonna jump over Kaisenat. Um do not know how that went through, also the other lo- um, the other dunk attempt he had, I don't think it was the first round, where Jason Tatum threw a lob to him and he just completely missed it the first time was several inches too low to have caught it um thought that was kind of amusing uh and then one of his dunks was just putting on like a a, an icy like diamond glove onto his left hand and then doing like a it was like a windmill or maybe like a reverse windmill um but like a a straight up regular degular like in-game dunk that Jalen Brunson or Jalen Brown imagine Jalen Brunson the dunk contest that Jalen Brown himself has done like multiple times throughout his career not necessarily something you would bring out for the dunk not definitely not something you would bring out for the dunk contest and then also like putting a glove on your left like I think the entire thing about it was like hey look at me using my left but like 
I don't I don't think that's the I don't think that's the burn you think it is Jalen Brown I'm sorry um so you know we appreciate your participation but man that shit was weak um and maybe I'm a little bit salty because Jacob Toppin was robbed he was just straight up robbed at gunpoint um he had a 360 between the legs and it got the second lowest score of the night um like what I don't I don't understand that uh I they just they just be hating um Mac McClone ended up winning um which I do think is still like the best alternative um I would have loved to see Jacob Toppin go up against Mac and um and and see what they brought out there but you know, I'm a big fan of Mac McClung, so I always like seeing him succeed. And it's also just really humorous to watch the NBA sort of roll him out once a year for the dunk contest and then banish him back to the shadow realm that is the G League uh, for the remaining, you know, 11 and a half months. Um, he's got an NBA time before. He's played a few games with the uh, with the Sixers and the Magic. Um, actually, he's he's played for the Bulls too, I believe. Um. So he's, he's played a couple games, gotten a few 10 days. Um, I don't know if he'll ever be like a consistent league dude, um, but he's he's crazy athletic. He seems like a really nice guy too. Um, so he's like very fun, very entertaining. Um, so shout out to him. And he had his first round dunk where it was like a, a double clutch. If you know what a double clutch, like um, it's kind of like your back usually you'll like when you're going up for the dunk, you'll go like back to the actual rim and then you like double pump it so you like bring the ball down and then back up like you're it's like you're like kind of like pumping a shotgun almost but with like both hands um he did that but also like took his hands away from the ball like just kind of like suspended it for a second before grabbing it again and then you know yamming it behind his back it was super clean especially in like slow-mo replay um so I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lie. He, Mac McClung said that he was going to bust out some dunks that have never been seen before. I don't know if we got all of that. However, that first dunk he started out with was pretty crazy. And um, I think the, the one he ended with was like, did he end it with jumping over Shaq and then behind the back? It was pretty clean either way. Um, but yeah, the dunk contest is just sort of really tricky because... A lot of people feel like there's just not many new dunks that someone can do, and whether you whether or not you believe that, because I don't know, I feel like that is slightly over exaggerated. Um, it, it only takes going on social media to actually truly see a bunch of people going for a bunch of dunks that have never been tried. Um, but at the same time, those are like pro dunkers who do nothing but dunking. They're not like NBA players who have like a real season to like. Um, be focusing on first off and then they can like get in some extra dunk contest work um, once they get selected for that or whatever so I get you know you're never gonna get like a um, who's the dude uh, Jordan Kilgannon or like Isaiah Rivera those two dudes are like ridiculous um, dunkers like if they were in the dunk contest they they have to win it they would be pulling out some shit people have actually never seen but those dudes don't, you know, they're not doing the dunk contest in the middle of an 82-game season and, um, you know, have, like, three weeks to prep for it or whatnot. So, you know, it's sort of a – don't know how to feel. It's, uh, it's you know, it also, it doesn't hit as hard. I said it already when the person does not get it on the first try, and there were a lot of second attempts on Saturday night during the dunk contest. Um also, also, the crowd kind of sucked. Um, it did not feel like people were really into it, and it definitely takes the wow factor out of it when people don't go, like, crazy afterwards. Um, and the, like, 
general level of noise from the audience is the same before and after the dunk. Um, and then, like, my also, also, also was that the judges were bad. They were bad. And this is not, like, biased because Jacob Thompson lost. I mean, they were just, like, actually very inconsistent. They were penalizing some for missing on the first try, but then, like, not as much for others. Just no consistency. Um, it's it's a different panel every time. It's like, who are these guys being uh, chosen? Uh, I think I think um, I think Neek was there. I think Dominique Wilkins was on it because Jalen Brown did a tribute um, for him you know, with a really mid dunk. I'm sorry, I'm like hating on Jalen Brown so much, but his dunks were just so disappointing. Um, and especially because like Jalen Brown is a nasty dunker. Like he has a whole highlight reel of bodies of posters in game nasty he's one of the best in game dunkers in the league probably in terms of just like sheer force and like aggression at the run like he he'll really give you like a gnarly grizzly shake the rim um body in game uh and it's kind of like he just did that in the dunk contest but like there was no person there so he was i don't know there's not a lot of like style or aesthetic or creativity i suppose but whatever we're off of jalen brown um sorry not trying to hate too much um yeah i don't really know how you fix this event in terms of like how everybody complains about it because you know on the on a like technical level for the most part the dunks were really solid like they were pretty solid and i feel like in a different environment with a different crowd I was actually getting into it. It could have been way more entertaining. Um, it just sort of felt like it was happening in the background um, for more reasons than one. That, and I'll get into that again in a little bit. But it just it didn't feel like everyone was holding their breath and it got silent right before the dunk, which adds a lot to the vibe and has been something historically that usually happens where it really gets like low and everybody's like oh you know it's kind of like a drum roll with their voice like oh like it's i don't know it just like builds it up um so i i think that was kind of like missing from it and it definitely took a lot of the 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 strength out of the punch of it um also the led floor did not help talk about that in a little bit but i i think for especially for the dunk attempt it was actively taking away from like the visuals of the dunk because you just have this bright neon blue floor beneath um, and it kind of just messed with the whole like contrast of the arena and what ended up being the focal point. Um, and I think it, I think the dunk contest suffered probably the most because of it. Um, the last thing I have to talk about as it pertains to Saturday night is Kenny Smith, who was absolutely off one. He was atrocious on Saturday night. Um, you might have seen a lot of the people talking about him and giving him flack online and whatnot. I haven't seen any, like, big publication really talk about it um, or any anything come out from, like, ESPN or whatever. But um, if you're on, like, Twitter or uh, whatnot, you probably saw some stuff about it. But he spent so much of the airtime complaining and sounded just so inconvenienced by all the events constantly chirping about how uh, it used to be better back in the day oh they don't do it like you used to it was just so lame so horrible the whole night he was being such a debbie downer um actively going out of his way to be a hater he was trashing on players for no reason like during the dunk contest when 
one of the broadcasters, it might have been Reggie, um, I think it might have been Reggie Miller, uh, pointed out during Jacob Toppin's first dunk that he was wearing the same shoes that Obi, Obi Toppin, wore when he won the dunk contest two years ago. Um, shout out Obi Toppin, you know, once a Nick, always a Nick. Um, just as like a little, like, hey, you know, he's he's wearing the, the dunk or the shoes that his brother wore when he won the contest. And Kenny just immediately was like, ah, who the hell cares? Like, why would you announce something like that? And at one point, he even, like, mocked it during one of the replays of the dunk. And he was like, oh, I'm wearing the same sneakers as my brother, everybody. Like, no, just go out and put on a show. Like, uh, excuse me. You know, sorry for the fun fact, asshole. Also, it's not like Jacob Toppin walked up to Kenny and was like, hey, guess what, buddy? It's like your broadcast partner who was actually doing their job and supplied the audience with some additional information. Why'd you have to go out of your way to, like, demean that and the dunker? It was just so, so odd. Um, really felt like he, he um, woke up on the wrong side of the bed that morning or just specifically had something out against Jacob Toppin for that because it's like, what, dude? It's just, like, it's just a little fun fact, dude. He's just wearing some shoes, dude. It's not that big a deal, dude. Um, and then in the three-point contest, while he was shooting, he called out Larry Markkinen for not being, like, a number one option on a championship team type of guy. And it's like, what? Like, bro, he's on the Jazz. And also, this is the three-point contest, brother. Like, this, I don't think this conversation really has much place here. Um, such an odd thing to say to, like, kind of take away from the moment. Because, um, like... Say, say Lowry had, like, a really great score, and this is going to be his only time he ever competes in the three-point contest. And so for the rest of his life, if he ever wants to show anybody the three-point contest, it's just going to be tied to fucking Kenny Smith going, yeah, I just don't think this guy's the number one option as he's just doing the three-point contest. So it's just, like, I don't know, a really weird, like, hey, man, like, read the room. Like, uh, this is, like, even if that's a conversation you, like, believe or want to have that has next to zero relevance at this current moment in time so again you're kind of just going out of your way to be a hater and then probably the most damning thing that he did um and definitely the one that he was getting the most flack for rightfully so was um he kind of completely ruined the moment following the sabrina steph shootout by just yapping about how she should have shot from the woman's line and um how it was so unfair um even though she wanted to again you know he's making these weird excuses on her behalf quote unquote but it was incredibly disingenuous um and Reggie Miller tried his best to get him to kind of stop and point out that she chose to shoot from the NBA line. And they both had great performances anyway. So, like, let's just kind of focus on that. But Kenny just would not yield this point. He just kept reiterating, like, nah, nah, this wasn't fair. Like, oh, uh, shouldn't, like, just the second step one, he was going off about it. And, you know, Reggie played it off as well as possible and was like, oh, why are you putting those parameters around her? Like, ladies, don't let anybody box you in with stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, unironically, he's right. And what Kenny was saying was completely missing the entire point. So, um, yeah, you just you ended up having Kenny and Reggie just going back and forth, completely drowning out the moment of, like, the crowd cheering and Sabrina and Steph hugging. Um, there's this uh, comment someone made, a Twitter user, I want to um, bring up because I think it it's a fair, a fair rundown of, um, of the frustration around the moment. Um, <clears throat> so shout out to Broad, uh, Broad S Tweet, Broad Tweet, uh, on Twitter, Broad underscore Tweet, Philly sports fan, um, said Kenny Smith and NBA on TNT and 
oh my god, we're going to circle back to TNT in a little bit too because I've I got to get on them as well. But Kenny Smith and NBA on TNT should be ashamed of their coverage of the Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu event. Millions were watching, including women and girls everywhere, as Sabrina puts up a great performance, 26 to Steph's 29, only for Kenny to say she should have played from the women's line and that it wasn't a fair contest the moment Steph won. Meanwhile, 26, and I mentioned this already, meanwhile, 26 would have beat out most of the men earlier, embarrassing and a counter to the very reason for this event in the first place. Um, so yeah, thought that was a um, good way to sum it up. And um, there's more to that thread uh, if you want to like look up this uh, user and kind of read more about it. Um, but someone else, a, a different, completely different person, like on Saturday night, had kind of brought up a, an also fair point, and I'm sort of reiterating this. Uh, so sorry if I butcher it, but it was kind of like a Sabrina's really stuck in a damned if you do, damn if you don't kind of um, kind of. Uh, position because she shoots from the NBA line. She goes, no, like let's let's do it on the same line. Let's make it as like neutral as possible. Um, you know, and, and kind of rises to that challenge. And then you'll have someone like um Reggie who, or, or sorry, Kenny Smith who wants to like go out of their way to um kind of excuse like the loss in a sense, like for her uh, in a way she does not need nor was asking for. Um, and ultimately is kind of like uh demeaning her performance by making those excuses or she could shoot from the uh women's line and if she won oh well she shot from the women's line this isn't a fair thing or she loses still regardless but shooting from the women's line and it's ah look guys like you know men are better shooters from further and they can hit more like it's just i mean and this is sort of just the plight of like women in sports athletics in general that it's like a damned if you do damned if you don't kind of thing um, and I think Sabrina like um, went about it the best way where it's like, no, you know, I'll rise to the challenge. We'll, we'll shoot from the NBA line. And it's a difference of like a foot and a half, guys. Like it's not that fucking deep. Um, but like I'll, I'll shoot from the same line. Like it's even I think she still used like her ball with um, like the WNBA ball, which that makes sense, obviously. Um, but yeah. And then just to like kind of not really engage with a lot of that, like troll dialogue. Um, and they were absolutely great sports about it. But you know, I don't know. It's just very frustrating. And with them having both really great scores, it was a fantastic opportunity to highlight how well Sabrina did and how she absolutely proved, like, if needed, I guess, that she could shoot with the very best of them. Um, and if Kenny Smith was actually interested in elevating her or female athletes in general, uh, he would have known that. You know, he, he could have uh, taken a second to, before he started yapping like that, maybe do a little bit of reflection about, like, hey, what's this actually about? Like, am I adding anything positive by saying this, by giving this opinion? No. Um, and he uh, he wouldn't have brought up weird technicalities that, like, Sabrina went out of her way to agree to and trying to defend her, kind of just souring the moment, ultimately. Um, and as I said, just sort of missing the entire point of the event. Um and then the, one of the last things that uh, Kenny Smith did this night that was just incredibly weird was during Hamehakis uh, Jr.'s second dunk attempt during the dunk contest, Bro said something like, what's with all the Mexican stuff or what's with the Mexican part of this? I'm confused when Hamehakis Jr. was doing a tribute before his dunk attempt. 
Uh, like what? That is insane. Uh, horrible, horrible job as a broadcaster on Saturday night. Actively made the entire evening worse. Um, genuinely hope you know not to engage in some like cancel culture type shit, but like I genuinely do hope there's some repercussions for the stuff because he was insufferable and on a professional level, he was just. I, I mean, you're there to as a as a sportscaster, as a broadcaster, you are there to elevate the moment. And he did none of that. He had a nasty attitude. He was unprepared and unresearched in in terms of like the uh, the Jacob Toppin like uh, shoes thing. Like not that he necessarily had to have that fun fact, but like he was like he almost approached it in like an anti intellectual way, where he's like, "Oh, fun fact? Yeah, no, I'm just gonna shit on it because I didn't have that fun fact or something like that." Um, I guess clearly didn't know that Hamehakis Jr. was part Mexican because like. I, yeah, and even if you didn't, like, okay, if a, if a giant Mexican flag gets blasted on the LED floor before a dude takes a dunk, I think anybody with an IQ above, like, 40 should be able to discern that, oh, it's, a, it's probably a trippy. He must be Mexican. And, like, just, just, like, bottle that up and go, okay, duly noted. But he, like, went out of his way to just be sort of, like, nasty and, like, ah, what's, what's with this Mexican stuff? Like, I just don't get it. Like, dude, shut up. Um, so yeah, Kenny Smith, horrible Saturday night. Um, and I'm, I'm just glad he's sort of at the very least, um, you know, I'm not saying he needs to be like fired or something, but he definitely needs to reevaluate how he approaches being a broadcaster. Um, and this is honestly not isolated to just all-star weekend this year. Like he's kind of just like been known, like he's, he's, he's built his like platform as like an NBA analysis off of sort of just being a hater. Um, and that's kind of this, the same thing for the entire cast of Inside the NBA as it pertains to the three players, uh, former players. Um, they embody the like old head mentality of like, oh, it was better when we did it. Athletes are softer now. Um, and I'm just like kind of naturally going to hate on most newer things. Uh, so I'm glad you're getting called out and it's kind of catching up to him. So yeah, uh, I don't know what will happen there, but it was just very sucky. Uh, on Sunday night, though, final night of All-Star Weekend, uh, we had a return to the East versus West format for the All-Star Game, excuse me, um, but it doesn't really seem like any of the issues actually were fixed, um, we're gonna talk about that in a second, but, uh, East, the East, uh, brought home the W, you know, shout out, East Coast, Beast Coast, uh, Dame was named the All-Star Game MVP, uh, I think this might be the first time in NBA history, that the winner of the three-point contest also won the all-star game mvp so i mean that's kind of cool not that it's like especially when it comes to the all-star game mvp it really means much because i feel like the mvp of the all-star game is determined by like okay who's who's hot early and then we're just gonna feed that dude the ball for the rest of the game like if you hit your first two three shots okay it's Dame's night. Like we're gonna get him like forty uh, or whatever, because it's not like there's an actual game being played. So, um, but he ended it with thirty nine points, six assists, three boards. Um, a bunch of dudes were scoring everywhere. Uh, Tyrese had thirty two, six and seven. Jalen Brown had thirty six, three and eight. Um, Jalen Brunson, shout out Jalen Brunson, in his first All Star game had twelve, five and four. Um, and then in the West, you know, the East staved off the Western, uh, the Western front, um, led by Carl Anthony Towns, 50 points, three assists and eight rebounds. Um, and Shea putting up the most 
SGA type regular season stat line of 31.6 assists and four rebounds. I feel like the dude has the exact same stat line like all the time. Um, LeBron had a had a nice triple single, eight three and four. Um, KD eighteen. Yeah. Anyway, it's not gonna read through this whole thing, but tons tons of scoring. It was essentially a four hundred point game. It was three hundred ninety seven total points. Um, the East two eleven to the Wests a one eighty five. And if that is not disgusting enough, there were 168 three-pointers attempted. And funny enough, the East shot 43.3% on 97 attempts um, to the West, uh, 35% on 71 attempts. But holy Christ, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if any All-Star game has ever been more of a just blanketed shootout like it was this year. Um, we had all the things I'm saying were complaints last year by the vast majority of uh, NBA fans. Um, when when Tatum got 50 and Tatum won the MVP and outside of like a few moments where um, Tatum and Brown were going like head to head and it was like, oh, teammates going against each other. Like, that's kind of cool. And then like after like three three possessions of like actually kind of like trying to lock up on each other they just sort of went back to just um exchanging three pointers i don't even think i don't know if they got close to to 168 three-point attempts that is revolting i'm sorry (laughs) i love three pointers but what has happened to the game i love um i'm gonna be honest i did not watch much of the all-star game this year um (laughs) because I'm sorry, but the score was 53 to 47 after the first quarter. It was a legitimate 100 point first quarter. I'm out. I'm out after that. I'm sorry. Like, it's really funny. And I was like keeping an eye on it. And I remember being like, oh, damn, Dame's got like 35. Oh, damn, Cat's got 50. Oh, my God. A bunch of dudes have like 30 points. Like, what's, what's, what, one, one, dear Christ. But like, you can tell by the overall score of the game. Like, not to, not to box score watch too much, but this is one of those games where the box score is going to tell you everything you need to get. No, not a lick of defense was being played. Um, yeah, yeah, like whatever. Um, I you can't really say too much about it because it's it's been this way, so it's it's almost expected at this point. However, the fact was that it was very much advertised as like a return to traditional like east versus west larry bird said like the afternoon before the game on sunday like and you know what i really want to see is you know the guys trying and everybody was clapping and like yeah yeah but that did not happen um so yeah sunday uh sunday night came and went the all-star games came and went and now we have a handful of days before the nba resumes but yeah so now i want to go through so I, that was my fact of the matter, like technical recap, just on like the actual things that happened. And so these are my fact of the matter, actual technical like takeaways from this All-Star Weekend specifically. Just my thoughts on this one. Um, and so the first thing I want to say is like give my official opinion on the LED courts because I said, I mean, I was a hater before, um, but I said like as always, I'll you know I'll, I'll, I'll try anything once not true but like i'll give it i'll give it a chance right i'm gonna let it let it rock for at least a year and see how it actually looks before i like completely damn it um before it ever actually like gets an opportunity so 
When I say this, this is not pre-existing bias, I promise. I tried to give it a fair chance, but it was so bright and kind of distracting and just ultimately used to spam even more ads in our faces um, and is really just kind of a thing that is taking away from the actual actions of the event, I think. It's like a manufactured, like, more enhanced viewing experience, but... I don't know. I just, I don't need a goddamn breakdown for everything, dog. I don't really know how to, how to articulate it more so, but like, I don't need sort of like holographic, like stats, like popping up in like the midair or on the floor, like after every single thing. Um, it's, it's taking away from like the, the substance and, uh, the only event where I think it actually made the product better, and even this could be argued and I wouldn't press back, but was the skills challenge. Um, you had like arrows mapping out like the player's paths during like the first round. Um, and then there was like these little panels where like they were supposed to be standing and uh, where to pass. Um, and so it was kind of fun for that. And like, I don't know, made it a bit more of like an interactive like game board almost that they were on. But Outside of that, it was all it was doing, I thought, was being distracting and taking away and not offering anything that's, like, actually worthwhile. Uh, you know, I don't need, like, a, a giant blow-up of, like, Jalen Brown's face on half of the court right before he does a dunk. Not necessary. Um, and also, I can I could not help but think, like, oh, God, like, please, for the love of all things holy let this still like let this stay like a very limited application thing i just i dread the idea of nba courts someday just like all being this and suddenly like the nba is just 2k irl um and i think there's a reason it wasn't used during the all-star game you know it's it's kind of a gimmick it, it really is um it's 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 really cool tech you know, on, like, a science engineering spice that I'm not trying to, like, disparage the people who, like, worked really hard and, like, built something, like, genuinely pretty cool, um, but it, you know, as it pertains to all technology, really, in the world, it's, it's rarely ever the technology that is, like, actually the bad thing, it's, it's really its application and who's using it, and I think the people using it and implementing it are, people who are fairly out of touch and don't have like a great um read on sort of like the pulse of nba fandom and like what they want like what they want is not a, a hollow pad nba court that will show you know the the shot coverage like it like again it's literally like nba 2k um i i don't think that's really what people want and if that that's certainly not what's like gonna fix events if that's what you're gunning for so yeah, I'm just hoping that it stays a um, very limited uh, gimmick thing and doesn't try to get brought into a broader context. Um, so going back to, you know, circling back now uh, to TNT, because I said I wanted to drag on them for a second. And this is specifically pertaining to Sunday night as well. Just a lot of complaints about, you know, they just not a great, not a great production night um, for the NBA or TNT on Saturday. Um, well, I mean, I guess like the event, like literally like went over fine. So that was fine. But for the, for the TNT, for the, for the people covering it, oh, wow, that was a pretty awful coverage. Um, whoever the director was, I'm sorry, you need to be, you need to get in trouble. There was horrible thing, like just really bad coverage, straight up missed a dunk during the dunk contest because they were too busy showing off the cool LED floor and look at Jalen, look at a blow up of Jalen Brown's face over half of the floor. And then you just miss a Jalen Brown dunk during it and they were showing like they showed the reactions to it live 
and the overhead floor while he was actually dunking. And it's like, dude, 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 if there's any time where you need to capture the actual dunk, it is during the dunk contest. What are you doing? You have got your priorities all out of mix. And then also during the Sabrina-Steph shootout, for like the almost for a good majority of Steph's um Steph's turn during the shootout they were showing Aisha Curry his wife's reaction in like the bottom corner um it started out with Sabrina but then like after like 10 15 seconds it went to Aisha for like 65% of his entire turn and it's like barely 90 seconds you can't hold it on Sabrina the actual competitor that this is about you know and you know not to hate on Aisha you know this is this but this event is not about her, and obviously, I'm like she didn't do it. I'm not getting mad at Steph Curry's wife, you know. Relax. But uh, it was just like, why are we, why are we, why are we showing her face, man? Come on, she's not, she's not the competitor. Come on. Um, so, just some very questionable, um, like technical decisions on like what to focus on. Um, not sure what the uh, what the broadcast booth sounded like then, and uh, what calls they were making to cameras and whatnot. But. Uh, yeah, very questionable. Very questionable. Um, NBA, if you want to hire me, I have some experience in broadcast news, so um, you know I can, I could operate it. I can call. I could be a director inside the booth, um, or a camera operator, and I'll just like ignore the dumbass director when he tells me to, you know, hit hit angle five and show uh, the aerial view of the court while the dude is literally dunking in the dunk contest, and I'll just go, uh, no, I'm actually not going to do that. I'm going to focus on the dunk. Thanks. Um, anyways, yeah, that's my sort of rant on like the technical production side of it. Um, and then again on Sunday night, and this is not really like a production thing. This is more about the commentators or the broadcasters, whatever you want to call them, but very questionable on Sunday night, particularly from one individual. And I, you know, I said it already. I did not watch a lot of the all-star game. However, I saw some really, really gross things getting shared online and comments that were being made by particularly Charles Barkley um, during the game where um, he essentially just went on a huge rant about San Francisco and calling homeless people crooks and uh, you can only walk around if you have a bulletproof vest on and it was all in like a comedic jesting with Draymond Green, Um, but I could not help but roll my eyes so far back that I got a migraine because it's just so lame and heartbreaking to hear people, especially fucking millionaires who do not ever need to come in contact with people like this, okay? So pretending that they are actually put out by like homeless people is so uh, is, is so lame. Um, but to hear them call them out and, and dehumanize call, uh, homeless people and just label them all as being like dangerous uh, and, and crooks. Like really crooks, um, it's it's just that it's that exact type of mentality and framing that has led this country historically to not really be doing much for the homeless population, um, and so again you have a, a a millionaire who does not have to actually ever really come into contact with these disenfranchised people, and yet feels more than comfortable just straight up dehumanizing them, calling them like dangerous criminals, gross addicts, whatever, like all this stuff. Um, and it just, it made me really frustrated. And I'm always constantly thinking about how we talk about and frame and think about homeless people in this country. It is obviously not a small issue. Um, and with the way 
everything essentially is getting so much more exponentially uh, more expensive without wages really substantially going up to reflect that. Um, we're, not, we're likely not going to see the homeless population diminish anytime soon unless suddenly we become uh, a very wise, woke, and virtuous nation that uh, suddenly wants to dole out um, billions to uh, build uh, infrastructure for homeless people and affordable housing and whatnot, but we've also pretty pretty well demonstrated as a country we do not want to do that. So uh, it's just incredibly frustrating that on a you know public broadcast to millions of people um, at a time where we don't need to be talking about homeless people, guys. This is the fucking NBA All Star Game. Like maybe just keep your garbage takes to yourself for one night. Um, but instead, you know, blast it on a nationally televised platform. He's going to sort of just repeat the same old uh, tired out uh, talking points and the way we sort of just like look at being homeless as a moral failure instead of like the reality of what it is that these people are just economically disenfranchised. This is what happens when things become too expensive for people. And San Francisco is one of the most expensive places in the country. So it's not a surprise that you see a lot of, of, of stuff like this, bigger populations of homeless people in places like San Francisco, in places like LA. People get priced out and they end up homeless. What are they supposed to do? Pack up and fucking go to Boise so that uh, it's not ruining like millionaires' experiences in these high-income places? Like what? Um, and, you know, yeah, it's true that many do develop addictions and mental health issues from literally being in survival mode 24-7. I mean, if you could take a second and, and, and exercise a bit of sympathy, empathy, compassion, I think it doesn't take much to uh, realize that. I mean, could you imagine what it would do to your psyche to be in survival mode 24-7, to never be able to, like, really relax, and to have people um, seeing you basically as a criminal just for, like, not having money to, like, afford a place to live? What? Um, so I I really, you know, uh, I, I urge, I beg, um, please, if you catch yourself thinking about homeless people or talking about especially homeless people in this way, where they're some sort of like moral degenerates or something, stop and remember you, me, the vast majority of people are way closer to being on the streets than we are to having Charles Barkley's financial portfolio. Okay. And it, you know, it's, we have a very like shit couldn't happen to me though kind of mentality in this country, but it absolutely could. It absolutely could. And also Charles Barkley is a fucking idiot. Okay. We do not, as a as a general collective, we tend to not really value his basketball opinions. So let's let's um let's make sure to not repeat anything Charles Barkley says about homeless people because he certainly is not qualified to talk in that regard. Um, and I'm not going to pretend I necessarily am either, but I just I get so put out by the way we consistently dog on like some of the most vulnerable people like possible um so very very annoying um and especially when like they're making jokes on the broadcast about like um like chuck's uh suit costs like a thousand dollars and that's cheap um and so you know draymond's like yeah it looks like it only costs a thousand type shit and it's like yeah these are these these are the people that that we are currently listening to 
give opinions on homeless people um, and calling them dangerous crooks. Uh, the the people who laugh at a thousand dollar suit because that's some broke boy shit. So yeah, just wanted to kind of hop on a little um, on a little podium there and say that because it very much um, bothered me and especially for someone who has, as I said, like a, a, is on a huge platform um, to to just be kind of like spewing that stuff unchecked is is really really lame really gross and uh needs to stop absolutely um and in in the same vein as like the kenny stuff i really and this is again not like a uh, you know cancel culture type shit um but i really think the nba needs to consider reconsider whatever you want to call it um who they have representing their league and broadcasting their events because i saw more clips about Kenny Smith saying wild stuff and about Charles Barkley's homeless people tirade. I saw way more clips online of of those wild takes than I did any clip from any part of actual All-Star Weekend. So the lasting legacy of this year's All-Star Weekend is like LED courts. Kenny is awful at his job and Charles Barkley has no sympathy for homeless people. I mean, that's, those are truly like the biggest actual takeaways from this weekend. Um, and actually, no, I take that back on a more positive note the <laughs> One of the biggest real takeaways from this weekend is that Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic will be teammates at some point in their career. Did you guys see them? They were, they were so lovey-dovey buddied up together. And I mean, I know they're buddies anyways, um, but it was so, so funny watching them together. And like Nikola Jokic looked like he finally had like a friend and (laughs) I was like way more joyful than you ever see him. Obviously they're, um, both from the same general, um, former Czechoslovakian region of the world. So they have a lot, um, a lot more in common, um just like from being from that part of the world and now being in the NBA. Um, but they look like absolutely besties. And I feel like every time they get together, they look so, so joyful to be around each other. And everyone's always making jokes about like, oh, they got to play together. And honestly, man, that would be really, really fun. That would be crazy if Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic teamed up at some point. Um, and Jokic said it like... um after the all-star game, I think kind of like on the way out. Cause some reporter, uh, asked him like if they would ever play together. Um, and he said like, Oh, I don't know. Like I love it here in Denver and it's a great organization. And, um, but if Luca ever gets pissed off in Dallas, like he can come here, you know, kind of as a joke. But if I was to hyper fixate and take that, uh, statement at face value and be serious about it, um, that makes sense. I would definitely, I could definitely see Luca leaving Dallas way before I could see uh, Nikola Jokic leaving Denver. Um, so could you imagine seventy-seven on the Nuggets? Yeah. Anyways, all right. We're not gonna put too, we're not gonna put too much uh too much thought into that. Not that there really is much to have other than that would be a crazy, crazy uh, sequence of events if that happened. The world would not be real if that happened. Um. All right. So. I've not been hydrating enough. My my throat's dying. I'm 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 fading. Um, but now we've gone over sort of the the technical uh, takeaways from like just this literal um, past weekend and this All Star um, weekend. 
Uh, sorry, I wish I had another word other than weekend, but uh, I want to talk about sort of just like the discourse around the All-Star game, around the whole break, and like thoughts on if it can be fixed, because, you know, we, we all know that fans and media alike have not been happy with the All-Star weekend as a product for a while now, and it feels like it was very much a continuation of that this past weekend, um, despite Viewership on Saturday night was the highest it's been in four years. It peaked at 5.4 million viewers from 10 to 10.15 during the Steph Curry versus Sabrina uh, shootout. Um, so that's, I mean, that's indicative of the fact that this was just a home run of an, of an event. They really um, they really nailed it, the NBA, on that one. Um, and those numbers, the peaking at 5.4 million viewers, um, came from the official release by the NBA like the next day um but i've also been seeing some reports about like 10 million viewership but i don't know if that's like across the whole weekend across all of saturday night or what it is um but you know per the nba's official release they said 5.4 million peaked uh i guess the guys maybe concurrent i don't know whatever um also i couldn't really find a hard number on the all-star game viewership maybe that'll come out in like a couple maybe it takes a couple more days before the uh the viewership data of that is released or whatever, but I couldn't find a hard number on the viewership for that, for the game, but I don't imagine it was much like higher or lower than last year's 4.6 million, which was an all time low. So even if it was a bit better, it would still be historically not great viewership. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, it's, it's not surprising and it's kind of hard to tell people to tune in. Um, when, when this is sort of what it is year in year out now um and i'm particularly talking about the all-star game i guess at this point but um you know i don't think more people are going to be tuning in if the nba cannot find a way to stave off the like growing realization i guess by the public that like the guys just don't really care that much about this um and honestly like it kind of feels like an inevitability so i don't know i just i think at a point we have to come to terms with the fact that these players view the All-Star Weekend as a break, a fun time to relax, and that is true even if they're participating in some capacity. Um, I want to share a comment from Anthony Edwards that I think gives some pretty decent insight into the mentality from a player's perspective. Um, so this is uh, Anthony Edwards from, I guess this was, well, okay, well, this post is from NBA Central, not NBA Central. All right. No fake news. This is not ball sack sports. Um, this is from this is from an article from the Athletic. I'm pretty sure um, that was written. Yeah, on on Sunday, Monday. Anyways, sorry. Uh, so quote from the Athletic from Anthony Edwards. Uh, For me, it's an All Star game, so I don't think I'll ever look at it like being super competitive. It's always fun, but I don't know what they can do to make it more competitive. It's a break. I don't think nobody wants to come here and be competitive uh, or come here and compete. Sorry. Um, and it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of fair, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with that. Um, if I was an NBA player suiting up for as many games, um, presumably as possible, uh, during that six month, 82 game season plus playoffs, uh, short of a gun to my head. Yeah. I'm taking the foot off the gas at least a little bit during all-star break. Um, so it's it's like yeah that's kind of fair dude and then also there's like injury concerns like nobody wants to you know tear some something while in the all-star game and then like completely 
ruin like the 50 games of work they had just put in and also like sabotage the uh, next 30 games plus playoffs going forward. Um, I get it. It's kind of hard to argue with it. Um, so I don't really know what the league does if they're trying to keep what the format of All-Star Weekend is, what the events have historically been, if they're trying to keep them. I don't know if they need to add in like incentives to participation. I mean, <laughs> I know a lot of people won't like that because it's like, oh, they get paid enough already. But like, you can't see me right now, but I'm shrugging because like, I don't know, you know, sorry, they know their worth. This is just sort of an unintended consequence of uh, of a of an era where there's more ownership given to the players. And it's certainly not like we should roll back on that. Um, this is just, you know, uh, an unintended consequence of player empowerment. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you need to add in some like incentives where it's like, um, like the winning team act like kind of similar thing with like the in-season tournament. Cause I mean, it worked for the in-season tournament, but also you could definitely say that like, well, those were regular season games anyway. So it's like, I mean, even a regular season game is worth more than the all-star game tech, you know, on a technical account. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you need to add in like a jackpot prize for the winning team or I saw someone uh, say on Twitter, so shout out to them. I don't remember where it was. Um, so sorry, I'm jacking your, uh, your 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 comment here, your idea rather. But it was like incentives for like specifically like steals or blocks um, or like for forced turnovers um, to sort of specifically incentivize like playing defense. Because I mean, clearly these dudes don't have a problem taking shots and getting fifty. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know if you want to incentivize specifically like playing defense or just put like a additional kind of uh, jackpot prize on the game um I, you know the nba has the money too i so i i'm not i don't care about whatever that is if 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 that's what is needed and that's what like players would be like oh yeah that'll that'll work we'll we'll play then you know if, if that's what it takes yeah sure why not um but also let's get some guarantee that it actually would work i suppose um but we might get to a point, honestly, where we just do away with the All-Star game entirely and it becomes about uh, different events and the NBA maybe just takes suggestions from fans year in and year out. Um, I don't know. You know, we could be looking at one of the last All-Star games uh, if, if they decide to just uh, change the whole uh, shape of the event to not be focused on that anymore and just be sort of about a bunch of just like little things and as I said, you know, take suggestions for certain events like i mean we have with the shootout and that was a home run success i keep saying home run success um i wish it a better like superlative um descriptive uh word but um i don't know like for example i know a lot of people have wanted um one view oh like a 1v1 tournament for years and i think that would be so sick um maybe like a 16 player like tournament bracket uh maybe like a king of the court i don't i don't know that'd be really really awesome i think um also maybe like a 3v3 tournament um perhaps maybe they just put more effort um and making like a bigger more elaborate skills challenge um perhaps some more nba wnba crossovers because i know after the event um steph curry and sabrina ionescu talked about being open to doing more things like their challenge and maybe even adding another person and making it like a 2v2 um and you know next year's all-star weekend is in the bay i believe at chase center so you know if we got like a steph and clay versus like sabrina and another like absolute marksman shooter from the wnba um on the liberty or maybe just like someone else from around the league um that could be really cool 
even saw Caitlin Clark getting floated. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think is Caitlin Clark a senior. Is she going to be in the WNBA next year? Shout out to Caitlin Clark as well. She um she broke the women's scoring record in the NCAA, I believe, which is crazy. With like a logo, with like a pull up logo three, dude. This girl is different. This girl is different. Um. Not that I'm going to go on a whole Caitlin Clark tirade right now, because um, I do actually have a lot that I, I think about um, her and what she could be like in the uh, NBA, or in the actual WNBA. Um, but regardless, what you cannot deny is that Caitlin Clark has motion like a college athlete has not had in a while. I mean, the most people could not name you if they're not like college basketball fans. Uh, could not name you a player in college basketball, men's or women's. However, if they could, there is like an 80% chance it's Caitlin Clark. She is um, next level, like just straight box office. Um, and yeah, she is a senior, so could be looking at her going to the league um, and being in the league uh, sooner than later. And by next season, uh, that would be, I mean, dude, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson versus Sabrina Ionescu and Clay, Caitlin Clark. That would be a shootout for the ages. That could be awesome. Um, and I think a great example of that, like, we might actually be, in fact, going in this direction is, um, I believe the NFL has kind of done this uh, with their Pro Bowl, which is, I guess, like the All-Star Weekend sort of equivalent, um, where there's, like, not a Pro Bowl anymore, I don't believe, um, like, an actual straight-up, like, football match with, like, the All-Stars of the NFL. Like, it's a lot more, like, challenge based like events and um whatnot uh skills you know yeah um and i that i think definitely makes even more sense for the nfl because like it's full on contact and so there's an even greater chance of you getting like injured in the all-star game essentially and then that fucking up like uh your season trajectory or whatnot but um so I'm not surprised, I guess, that it went first, but yeah, I don't know. I I also, I don't know what's magically changed, to be honest, you know. Uh, I think in general, 30, 40 you know, years, even 20 years ago, players did not have as much say. You know, we looked back past years and we go, oh, guys used to pick up and, and actually play in the All-Star game. Like, they cared, they tried. And it's like, well, they, they did try. We can see that literally. But, like, did they care? Like, do we know? Did they actually want to be? Would they have preferred if we ran things back? If we put the players of the 80s and the 90s in 2024, is it the same game still? Like, are they magically going to lock up because the guys from that era were just more competitive dogs? Or do athletes just have, like, way more independence and say now? And they're like, hmm, yeah that's cute we're kind of over this now um not gonna lie we kind of never wanted to be really trying this hard in this one we've always seen it as a break but now that you know we live in an era where we have way more negotiating power um i can actually feel a bit more confident in like kicking my uh, feet up during the all-star break um i don't know i don't know just kind of throwing some things out there but yeah uh we, we just might be looking at one of the last all-star games that's a uh, sort of sort of the takeaway because it does feel a bit like it's an irreparable um situation um in terms of revitalizing it i mean i love the i love the original idea of it i would love if you know the guys around the league just suddenly started really caring and wanted to make it like 
what it's advertised as quote unquote like the best pickup game in the world you could ever get like yeah it'd be sick but it also like all of the reasons that they give for not like wanting to participate in that are like super valid from their perspective and are kind of hard to argue with so it just kind of leaves us at this weird little impasse of like well all right we might just have to not do the all-star game and keep like beating a dead horse um if you guys aren't going to try and we're not going to like fix it that much like all right let's just change the events to something that like um everybody might have some more like collective interest in and are things that you guys actually would still try in um so yeah those are my thoughts on all-star weekend this year and going forward um i you know i love the tradition of it and you know the i think the break obviously has to still exist um so there will there will always be an all-star break and you know they'll change things and there were different events at different times anyway so i don't know maybe we're just looking at like a weird um kind of in between transition period and in like 10 years the all-star game will be like back to being like really good or something i don't know uh things swing on a pendulum and if it's like really bad now maybe there will be like a a reactive force where suddenly people are like trying really hard because they want to like overcompensate for like past years being really bad or whatever i don't know but yeah uh and not the end of the world i suppose and as i said the all-star weekend will exist so if you're a fan of like the the more game aspect of it, like the, the fun, the challenges that are, you know, the contests and not the like penultimate crown jewel event. That is the all-star game. Admittedly. Um, if you're more in for it, uh, more into it for all the other stuff, then uh, this probably isn't really that big of a deal anyways, because I don't, I don't see those things going anywhere. I mean, the dunk contest definitely needs some, some, some rejuicing definitely needs to get, um, to get kind of revamped. But, I mean, the, the three-point contest feels like it's been um, a pretty solid um, hitter uh, every year for a while now. And as I said earlier on, like, it's kind of taken the mantle as being, like, the um, crowning event on Saturday night over the dunk contest. Um, and people are like, um, the dunk contest should actually go first and then make, like, the three-point contest the last one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Even as a dunk contest fan... Uh, and, like, will probably always be because I just love dunks. Um, and, like, the artistry to, like, doing midair, like, stuff like that. Um, even though I am a fan of it more so than the three-point contest, I really I, – I wouldn't, you know, cry about it if they flipped them and made the three-point contest, like, the last thing of the night or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't, um, it wasn't bad in some aspects, and it was really bad in others. Uh, yeah. Those are sort of my thoughts, and I don't want to drag this on for too long. Um, I don't really have any outro departing notes other than, I mean, I said it already, but hey, this is my first attempt at a Tuesday episode. I'm recording this earlier on in the afternoon at 2, or on um, on Tuesday, so it's uh, probably going to still take till like this evening to get up, um, but hey, still counts, I guess, and um, you know, I'm shooting to have that regularly scheduled Friday episode as well, um, but yeah. I really appreciate everybody watching. Sorry if I uh, rambled about a few things or lost my train of thought at times. My brain is uh, quite foggy at the moment. But yeah, I really appreciate everyone tuning in. If you've made it to this point, you are a absolute legend. And um, yeah, until next time, I'll be back soon. Uh, this has been Hoops Hour, Episode 9. Thank you all for watching and listening.